This is Closer Look. I'm Rafael Sierra. Ever thought of taking a car that drives itself? Kelly Nantel, Vice President of Communications and Advocacy for the National Safety Council, tells us how these self-driving vehicles work. Fully autonomous or fully self-driving cars, there's a lot of different uh, language to describe them, uh, are essentially vehicles that are capable and have the technology to drive on their own without the need for the occupants in the vehicle to do anything. The car is fully uh, contained and fully self-contained and able to drive on its own. There are a number of companies who are out there working on those vehicles, working on the technology and, and testing the vehicles on the roadways, but there is no vehicle today that's available for purchase by consumers. Tell me more about that technology that makes these types of vehicles actually work. Technologies like LIDAR and radar and cameras and sensors that allow the vehicle to understand the environment that it's operating in. These vehicles are, they're trained, if you will. They're trained to drive in certain areas uh, of a community. They call it geofencing. They use mapping technology and it teaches the vehicle about the roads and about uh, all the various uh, things that it, the vehicle may encounter within that geofence space. That's how the vehicle becomes smart and it starts to learn. So again, that's an important piece because the world is huge. We we can't expect that these vehicles can go out on any road in any part of the country and understand it. It has to learn each area that it's exposed to and that takes time. So when you see some of these self-driving vehicles in test mode out on the road, know that they are working within a very specific area and they're learning and gathering data that allows them to, to operate safely within that environment. It's quite a fascinating feat when you think about it. Then some of these vehicles, I mean, they're really not self-driving vehicles. I mean, you still need somebody behind the wheel, right? Uh, opposed to some of them that are being developed. That's exactly right. And I'm so glad you raised that because while the promise of fully self-driving vehicles is great, we are years away from realizing that promise. What we have today in vehicles is called driver assistance systems. That means the driver has to be engaged. They have to be prepared to take over the driving task immediately, be an engaged driver and pay attention to what's going on around us. So I really appreciate you raising that. It's so important for the public to understand there are no self-driving vehicles available for the public to buy today. This is Closer Look. I'm Rafael Sierra here with Kelly Nantel from the National Safety Council talking to us about self-driving vehicles. Tim Spell is an automotive technology expert and currently writes for insurancequotes.com. He says, despite advancements in self-driving technology, there are some setbacks to getting these cars on the road. The roadblocks, one of them is public perception and just getting the uh, consumers ready for it. There are still some problems they have to work out. Uh, weather can be an issue with some of these things. Uh, the LIDAR, which is one of the main sensory units, it could fail in snow, fall, rain, dust, and uh you know, cameras have a problem that could be blind spots. And then these systems also have to account for the all the numerous, if you just imagine, weird scenarios that could be encountered. But still, they're better than uh, the human patrol uh, vehicles. So what about safety? Perhaps hitting a pedestrian or running into another another vehicle, another car. If these were somehow connected to a satellite and then it would cause chaos, do you, do you think they're taking that into consideration? Or God forbid, if this kind of system ever gets hijacked or something. I think that's a great point. There have to be measures taken uh, where these vehicles can't be uh, sabotaged. And I think in some of these cases, it's highly possible.
because you're, you know, you deal with uh, using, uh, you know, radar with radio signals and GPS and computers that can be jammed. So, yeah, that, that is a concern. So there is a, uh, a fear among people of vehicles being sabotaged. Okay, so you mentioned fear. Is that a big part in getting these vehicles out on the road? Yes, definitely, because you don't have control. It's just like some people don't like to get on an airplane and fly because they don't have, you know, control of it. So it's really kind of difficult. You know, I've been in these uh, autonomous vehicles and to kind of condition yourself to where you're letting a computer basically do the driving for you. So, yes, there is a definitely a fear factor. You know, we give our control to many other different uh, machines and we let them do uh, everything for us. But when it comes to driving, there's just that certain sense of security that we need that we're just not ready to give that up. You're totally correct. It's that sense of security, that sense of control. And there's another uh, factor, and that is kind of the fun factor. There are people who actually like to drive and enjoy the performance of the vehicle and the experience of driving. So... Uh, public acceptance is going to be a big deal in all of this, but it will get here. And and having said that, do you think it's just going to take a while to get people used to this type of new driving technology? Or do you think there's always going to be people out there who are just not going to care about self-driving cars? I think there will always be people who are unaccepting of it, but uh, the vehicles that are already on the road, the semi-autonomous vehicles, they're coming really fast. And so it won't be long before most people will have experienced uh a taste of automated uh, technology. And I think it kind of wean you into the situation. And how about owning one of these? Do you see a lot of interest in a lot of these folks wanting to own one of these now? Uh, yeah, there is a lot of uh, interest. And with time, uh, the price is going down. How about insurance? Are, are we there yet with the insurability factor? You know, that is uh, something that is still uh, up in the air. It's interesting the way it's uh, going because it could possibly be a situation where the manufacturer will have to end up uh, being the insurer. And uh, already you have uh, companies like Tesla who are providing insurance as custom car insurance. So, you know, there's there's no uh, definitive answer. There will have to be a uh, shifting of liability from drivers to manufacturers. And uh, on that, uh, Volvo was pretty much first up to the plate. Volvo will accept uh, full liability for accidents, but only if it's a result of a flaw in the car's design. So inappropriate driver use is, you know, is liable. Uh, you know, states are generally responsible for establishing liability and insurance. So uh, right now it's inconsistent uh, from state to state. When the day comes that driverless vehicles are deemed, you know, safer than human control ones, saving lives and, you know, uh, fewer injuries, collision costs, that insurance cost should take a huge dip. This is Closer Look. I'm Rafael Sierra, talking about the future of self-driving vehicles. Kelly, what do you think the goal is for self-driving vehicle technology? You know, every year on our roads, we lose about 40,000 Americans. 40,000, that's over 100 people every day who drive on the road. 94% of those crashes are caused by human error. Self-driving cars are really a game changer when it comes to driving down those fatalities because we can take the decision-making 
out of the hands of the human. We can put it into a system that has been uh, has been tested and has been validated to to be reliable and safe. So you know, self driving cars aren't tired. Self driving cars don't get impaired. They're not using their cell phones and they're not distracted. If we can utilize those vehicles for that purpose alone, we're going to see a huge reduction in roadway fatalities in our country. That's what makes us really excited at the National Safety Council. So it seems like safety is a big part of this then. Anyone working in this industry, in the self-driving space, they would tell you that safety is the most important thing to them. Now, secondarily to safety, there are huge mobility benefits and there are also efficiency uh, benefits to self-driving cars. When you think about a self-driving vehicle and the potential to give those who right now don't have transportation options that are uh, that are robust enough to help them get from point A to point P, I'm talking about people with uh, visual uh, disabilities, uh, people in wheelchairs, uh, you know, the elderly who may have to give up their license. The, the opportunities to increase mobility for so many populations is just another really great advantage of self-driving vehicles. So Kelly, you told us about the vehicles that are fully autonomous, the ones that don't need a driver, but the ones that are available today, uh, those with the advanced uh, driver assistance, can we fully rely on those uh, right now with the technology that they have? That's a really great question and it's a tough one because the technology is great but the technology is not foolproof you know there are all kinds of different driver assistance systems we have things like forward collision warning blind spot monitoring lane keeping uh, lane departure warning there are lots of different systems a big part of the effectiveness of these advanced driver assistance systems is the consumer's knowledge and understanding about what technologies they have in their vehicle and how do they use them. But I think everyone needs to remember that having these advanced driver assistance systems in your vehicle doesn't mean that you are not still responsible for driving your car. So if you have a forward collision warning in your vehicle, well, that's telling you if you're getting too close to the vehicle in front of you, but it's not taking any action. It requires you to take that action. There's a lot of misinformation. Advanced driver assistance systems are not self-driving technologies. And we have seen several crashes, deadly crashes, uh, involving vehicles that have advanced driver assistance systems where the drivers were behaving as though it was a fully self-driving car. And it's not. Because I think, Raphael, as you're kind of thinking about it, this whole issue of the Tesla crashes mm -hmm. is a really important uh, example of how people are confused by exactly. what technology they have in the car. So now that you've explained that you actually need a driver, <laughs> you know, with today's <laughs> right. technology, are these types of cars, are they really expensive to own? I mean, is the technology even worth investing in right now? That's a great question. And, and it runs the gamut. I mean, there are very, very affordable vehicles out there today uh, that have lots of great technology. And I think the good news is that the automakers more and more are including some of this advanced driver assistance technology as standard equipment in their car. You know, what was really exciting uh, a few years ago, uh, 20 automakers and the U.S. Department of Transportation entered into a voluntary agreement where they said that they would make uh, 
automatic emergency braking standard on all vehicles by the year 2020. And we've seen a lot of automakers actually making good on that promise early, which is terrific news for consumers. Automatic emergency braking is a technology that can bring your vehicle to a stop or it can slow your vehicle down significantly if it determines that you're at risk of running into a car in front of you. So these are really great technologies. Um, We believe at the National Safety Council that safety shouldn't be just for those who can afford it. And we're really pleased to see some of the automakers, many of the automakers making these technologies standard equipment. This is Closer Look. I'm Rafael Sierra, getting a glimpse today of the future of transportation and self-driving vehicles. Brian, so do you think we'll eventually get to a point where uh, off of a phone app, we're going to press a button and, hey, come and pick me up, and they'll know exactly where you're at, um, where to go get you, you know, driving you there or taking you there and dropping you off with minimal problems? Is, yes. is that what the future holds for us, do you think? Yes, uh, and really the technology is here now. And uh, Audi, for instance, has a vehicle that they will go up into a multi-tiered parking garage and it will park itself. And you can summon that vehicle when you come back. Uh, Volvo is looking at doing things as ambitious as competing with the airline industry, where travelers uh, can depart from their homes in these autonomous vehicles. And, you know, they can go at speeds up to 100 miles an hour for long distances. And you can conduct business or even sleep along the way. So it's working with those prototypes right now. Wow. Wow. That's uh, some smart tech there. It is. <laughs> and it, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. And speaking about that excitement, do you think people are really excited uh, to see these kind of cars uh, being developed and, and perhaps seeing them out on the road right now? What do you think? It depends on who you talk to. <laughs> uh, it seems that the higher comfort level with the uh, technology is with the millennials. Uh, those you know, like 22 to 37 year olds, you know, these are people who grew up with technology and, you know, video games, computers. Uh, and they're also the number one group that uses uh, ride sharing. And older adults, you know, had to adjust to the fast changing technology. And early on, they're used to being in full control, you know, including, you know, shifting their own vehicle. So older adults usually have, uh, I guess, also a better <laughs> better sense of self-preservation and understand they're not bulletproof. Tim, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to remember about self-driving vehicles in general? I think that uh, they're a great way to reduce uh, driver fatigue. Uh, the, I'm talking about the semi-autonomous, and uh, they'll be coming your way. Uh, go to the showrooms, try them out, and uh, you know, let somebody instruct you. And uh, they can make uh, driving uh, a, a lot better, especially long distance driving. So it takes the stress out of it. You know, you can relax a lot more and uh, it, it makes for a better driving situation once you adjust to it. Okay. And Kelly, before we conclude, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to remember that we haven't touched on today? So I would just say that the promise of self-driving vehicles is really great, but we are many years away from seeing that. What we can do today, though, is purchase vehicles that have advanced driver assistance systems that help us be the best drivers that we can be. But I would remind everyone that if you have a vehicle with those types of technologies, you've got to be an engaged driver. That means you have to be prepared to take over the operation of your vehicle with a moment's notice. And that's the most important thing. My special thanks to automotive technology expert Tim Spell and to Kelly Nantel from the National Safety Council. Thank you both for sharing your thoughts with us today and giving us a glimpse of future transportation and the wonders of self-driving vehicles. For Closer Look, I'm Rafael Sierra.